Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. We're back, back from Octo. That's right, me and the boys bombed down to Octo, did a little road trip there, and uh, hung out for the weekend, but it was a blast. Uh, I can, I'll quote uh, Jason, what Ross Wolf said, man, you guys drive your buses fast. So we hauled the mail last Friday down there to Octo, go to our YouTube channel to check it out. Uh, I did a little video I slapped together for it, and uh, you know it was the big reveal of the latest wagon build by my brother, Rich DeWitt's uh, Quicksand Bus, one of the more gangster buses out there. So if you didn't get a chance to check it out, don't worry. You'll get a chance to check it out soon. So we had a good time cruising out there. Uh, it's always fun doing these high-speed runs with my boys, but uh, you know I had to I had a little switch up on the way back because I had other business going on down there, but uh in our never-ending quest to bring you guys cool stuff that's going on in the VW scene, this week's podcast is going to get pretty cool. Now, shout-outs and guys that did purchases, all that stuff, that's going to be at the end of this podcast. So I'm bringing you in to talk about what this podcast is about. Cage 66. If you haven't heard of him, well, then your car is not low enough because you don't need extended trailing arms. This guy makes extended trailing arms for the front end. Uh, does an unbelievable job, and you get to hear a lot about what he does for his day job that really attributes to the quality of the parts he puts out. And you can tell from the interview he's real passionate about the things that he does. He also makes some really, really super nice uh, front wheel wells for buses, for lowered buses. So he's living the slam life. Matter of fact, I think he took a first class trip to Slam Town because uh, everything he's got is gangster low. And if you're going to be that gangster low, you can't sacrifice some ride quality. So he's helping you out there with the extended trailing arms, some wheel arcs, and some other parts and pieces. But he's got a great story like we all do, and you guys will definitely dig it. So if you've never uh, ran across him, check him out at Cage66 on Instagram. But this week's episode is chock full of good VW stories, man. And this one's coming to you from Reno, Nevada. Uh, Let's get into it with Chase Hill. Cage 66 on Instagram on this week's Let's Talk Dubs. Okay, everybody, so on today's show, I've got uh, a guy that's been doing some suspension work and a lot of tubs and things, and you guys may know, uh, you've heard of Cage 66, well, that's Chase Hill, and he's out of Reno, Nevada, and uh, we've got Chase on the podcast today. Chase, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, so, you know, I know my brother's a huge fan of your stuff, and you do uh, you do a myriad of products that you hand fabricate yourself um, as like, a, you know, a little extra side money and, and creating something for the hobby. And we're going to get into that in a little bit, but the way we always start the podcast is we start out with your VW story and how you got into Volkswagens. Right. Yeah. No, I, I listened to a few of your uh, podcasts and try to get prepared for, and I knew, I knew this was coming. <laughs> um, one thing, my memory's shot so um exact dates or anything like that i'm yeah, not gonna yeah. be accurate at, at all with anything and no one's um, gonna background but, check it don't worry 
yeah, and I don't want to hear, well, this didn't happen, that you're lying about this. It's just, I'm not lying. I'm just, I'm just not that smart. So, um, let's see, uh, probably back before I even had, you know, a license or anything, my, the first car that I wanted was, uh, I wanted a van. Uh, it was a Volkswagen van. It wasn't a bus. It was a bay window. Um, sorry for the bay window owners out there. Um, but yeah, I ended up, I couldn't get the thing. I ended up in a 66 Mustang instead. Um, and that's where the 66 from my name came from. Uh, when, whenever I had to sign up on the Samba, I needed a screen name and I, I wasn't, I've never been part of forums or anything before that. So Cades was the name everyone called me in high school. Um, and then I just, I, Cades had already been taken or whatever. So I had to throw a number on there too. And 66 was my first car. So. That's uh, that's where Cage 66 came from. Uh, let's see. I bought a bug body um, probably in 96 or 97. It actually, looking back, it was a 58. I destroyed that thing. I <laughs> I put a, a rag top on it. I did suicide doors. I put the, um, the Volkswagen across the dash from, you know, a caddy uh, tailgate. Super custom 80s, just, you know. Right. 20 years too late. Uh, sure. But I didn't, you know, I didn't know better at the time. And, oh, I even put an oval window uh, clip in the back, too. I never finished that car. It just got parted out. Um, I'd say my influence came from my best friend at the time. His name was Steve Hayes. Uh, super cool guy. Uh, I looked up to him. He's super artistic, super into cars. Um, I, I hear, I, I, like I said, I listen to a few of the podcasts it sounds like everyone a lot of the guys they got brought up into it with the uh with family it sounds like right um, i never had a dad i never had you know any influence of that i was poor you know um volkswagens were cheap and you know it made sense to kind of get into them it seemed easy to work on um sure. although even now i don't know shit about engines i you know, I have every somebody work on everything that I build. Although I'm not really well known for building things either, because uh, I have no time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that uh, did nothing with that bug. Uh, just that, and like I said, I ended up parting that one out. Um, probably around. Shit, I don't know. Uh, Maybe 97, 98, 99, I ended up uh, getting um no, it had to have been later. Or, I don't know, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no worries. No <laughs> and, uh, worries. I got my first, I got a first bug. Uh, it was a little green bug that had, you know, white accents and everything. Uh, and white wheels, five spokes. So two-tone uh, bug, like a white, like a white and... No, like, it wasn't, yeah, luckily it wasn't a two-tone. It was just this, yeah, god-awful... Um, like wannabe Turkish color, um, right? But uh, and that was hood ride days. Whenever, whenever hood ride was um, just seriously taken off, right before it got when the cats moved in. Um, sure, but, like early two early two thousands. Yeah, probably around then. So I got into it. Then I saw, you know, I saw what these kids were doing with with nothing. You know, all the Oscuse kids um, on the on the East Coast just seriously buying just rusted junk and throwing it together and just slamming it to the ground and, and i thought that was amazing so 
you know, I kind of got influenced by that and, and started pushing my car towards that direction. Um, I didn't sand anything down on purpose or anything like that. Right. Uh, you, you, but, weren't, yeah. you weren't faking the funk. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I'm not, I'm not talking shit about that, although I'm not a fan. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, slammed to the ground as far as I could, six inch narrowed beam, you know, the works. Um, I ended up doing a right hand drive swap on that car. And then I, it got T-boned, so I got it, had to get rid of that. Um, it was too much of a project for me to try to fix. And then I got a bus. Uh, I got a 61 Mango. That that had actually been rear-ended, um, and they just cut the whole back off of it. In between all that, I got other little cars that kind of messed around with but never really finished. Again, I'm not really known for finishing build i get real excited about stuff and i buy a lot of parts for stuff and i have a lot of plans but i never really get to the end i always end up selling it before it's finished that, um, now is it usually because people like see your car and they're really into it and they're like hey man i want to buy it what name your price type thing and or... uh, no, back then i think it was more financial like i just and maybe losing the motivation for it Sure. But yeah, more financial. I've never really been able until recently to have two cars, you know, or two, you know, two projects. This is the first time I actually had a car that I can drive and have a project. So it's, it's nice. Um, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, that Mango, I actually, I actually ended up finishing that one and, and driving it. And the only reason I finished it was because I met Mitch Case. Mitch Case was a huge, huge help for me. Um, He's an amazing body worker. Uh, I actually met his brother-in-law at a place called Coke and a Bowl. He was wearing a Volkswagen shirt, and we were talking. I told him about the car, the, the Mango that I bought, and he's like, "Oh, you should, you should meet this guy." Um, I talked to him. He's like, "Yeah, let's come down here. We'll, we'll fix it up." So it didn't even discuss money or anything. I think he ended up just taking the donor bus, what was left from the donor bus that I bought, as payment. Really? Um, for helping him out because uh, he's just an amazing guy. He's yeah. All about helping people in the community. So. And, and where's he out um, of? He's here in Reno. Um, nice. Actually, he's, yeah, farther out now. He moved. He's got an amazing pet out there. If, if, look him up. He's, he does this uh, camp out every year. He's got a shitload of buses. He's, yeah, super cool guy. Uh, he'd be a good guy to have on here, too. Um, but the funny thing is, he wouldn't. He wouldn't let me weld anything. Uh, he, he, everything that he did, I'm just like trying to help, and I'd be like, "Oh, I can weld that," you know, like I, I I'm a welder, and he, he didn't believe me. He's so. like, "Yeah, right, yeah, right." Just sit tight. <laughs> yeah, <there>. so <laughs> right. But now here we are, and I'm welding stuff for him whenever he has projects. So it's funny, but uh, but yeah, so that was probably the best Volkswagen I actually had. I actually put miles on it. I drove it to Sacramento a few times. Uh, then the engine blew up, and then I had it rebuilt by a friend, cutting corners uh, on my end because I was cheap. Right. And it blew up again, and I just completely like lost motivation for that car and sold it. You know, like an idiot. It's in France now. Um, and so and then, uh, now you start. Do you start getting into? Because all the hood ride stuff is like slam it as low as possible, keep it kind of yeah, ratty yeah. looking. And then obviously, you know, me coming from the school of like, I like, 
I like low cars, but I like fast cars too. So there's only, you can only go so low if you plan to drive it fast. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some of these super slammed cars, when they were, you know, in the hood ride days, all those cars, as cool as they were looking, they were destroying the suspension and rode like garbage. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that was even before, shit, they didn't even extend spring plates back then, you know? So everything. Like, I, I drove, I flew out to um, Tennessee and and helped Steve uh, Vernon uh, put together this uh, convertible. Like, we put the whole thing together overnight, and then we drove it. Um, so, let's see, I went, I actually... I, yeah, I flew into North Carolina, and then we put that car together, and then we drove it to Tennessee. And uh, it was in the rain, and it was squirrely, and it was, but it was the best. It was the best show I've been to, other than you know, I've been to some amazing shows in Japan though too. But yeah. um, but that was that was it for me. I was like, this is I, I I gotta build something. You know, we were just scraping everywhere, and the tension you got from you know this pile of crap this barely scraping on the ground but yeah like you said it was especially in the rain it wasn't a safe car <laughs> at all but it was cool um so yeah definitely nothing you'd want to put power behind and be racing down the street and now did that i mean riding those cars and you want your car that low is that what inspired you what inspired you to start getting into making parts was it just out of necessity because you couldn't afford parts and you thought you know what I, yeah. I I can't buy a beam, I'll make a beam or like like how does that that evolution come about where you start doing that? Yeah, we, yeah, I think Yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 it's okay. Because we know that you're a welder by trade, right? So and I don't know who knows that, but you're Yeah, I'm a, I'm an iron worker, I'm a certified welder. Um so everything that I I weld, you know, I I get I get tested all the time. Um, we have inspectors always testing our welds and everything. That's why, you know, like when people question my control arms, it's like, well, I'm kind of backed by a lot of experience, even though I'm trying, <laughs> not, I'm trying not to be too arrogant about it. But right. I, I definitely know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, back, back then I was still um, I was still learning welding. I, you know, I wasn't – I was just fresh into it. Back then I think I was tying rebar at the time. Um, not a whole lot of welding experience other than from uh, metal shop and then, you know, drinking, tinkering around with my own stuff. Uh, but, yeah, of course, out of just necessity and not having money, why I did everything, you know. So I had to do it by myself or learn it by myself. So. And now um, what, what are some of the first things that you started doing? Like when you actually started welding some stuff up, what were some of the first things you were making? Uh, tubs, I think. Well, first, I think... Um, just extended spring plates were a simple, easy thing to do. Just cutting off the old ones. Uh, so it took two sets. You cut the ends off of one, and then you weld them on back on the others. That was all. All the East Coast kids were doing that um, towards the end there. And, you know, I was like, well, I can do that too. I wasn't doing it for money or anything. It was just for myself. Um, and now, when and then you're, just friends here and there. For some of those guys that don't know about extending spring plates, Go ahead and tell them the purpose of extending the spring plate. So yeah, if you're um, as you as the wheel gets lower in the back, the axle starts pushing forward because your uh, your spring plate, you know, it articulates on well where the uh, on a where the torsion, torsion bar housing, is. Yeah, and, and yeah, so and as it's pulling forward, you only have so much room to to pull that axle back on the slots that are on the spring plates. 
on the really early spring plays, they only had a hole. They don't even have slots. Um, so, yeah, you need extra room. And that corrects your toe adjustments. Uh, everybody thinks it's camber that kills your tires. It's more your toe than anything. Camber's not that great either, but it's that toe that destroys them. So setting that helps a lot. And, you know, uh, step plate and extending, they pretty much do exactly the same thing. Um, it's not a huge difference. Um, actually, I just started making step plates just because of the clearance issue. That's really the only reason I changed the design of my plates. Um, and but, yeah, the, so that. The step plates, everybody knows, it's the, it's the spring plate that's got kind of a step cut in it, and it's, and it, and it's a, a new piece of spring steel, and, and the the mounting point for the axles relocated higher? Yeah, it's basically like if you just cut the last six inches out of it and then put it up higher, it's just designed like that. So it's one piece. Um, and I don't know. I know a lot of people just use mild steel or whatever. Um, spring steel, that's going to be a debate forever that people are going to say that they're made out of spring steel. It's a high carbon steel. Um, it does spring back but it's not necessarily a spring steel and that's like, where you know that whole joke of you can't weld spring steel um well and, and a lot of people think that there's i mean you're really not getting any spring tension out of the steel itself it's just being used as a, as a flat piece of plate basically yeah exactly um all your springs obviously in your torsion bar the um if you were to put to tweak your spring plate, you know, because that's just how it is with your axles, it's going to tweak them. Um, and if you just did that with some shitty steel, it's not going to pop back straight again. But, it, you know, so that's why it's a higher carbon steel originally. Um, even, you know, I've seen a lot of spring plates that are just made out of mild steel and they're totally fine. Right. Uh, because yeah, again, like you said, that's not where the spring comes from, even though that's the name of them. Yeah, uh, and your and your whole purpose for doing that is keeping as much preload on the rear suspension so it'll carry the weight of the car versus like eliminating all the preload and slamming the car by the weight of the car pushing it to the ground, eliminating the suspension travel. Well, all right, so that's that's where a lot of debate is also. <laughs> Let's talk of, about uh, it. The, well, so preload, and I've gone into this so many times with other people, and I'm no genius when it comes to suspension or anything like that, but if you're, the only preload that you really have on a stock bug is because you have a stop on that uh, your torsion uh, cover, right? Right. Where your torsion cover holds up to on the frame right there, it has a stop for the spring flick. Otherwise, it just drops down, right? So Correct. Really, when you when you lower it, if if it's up higher by reindexing it anyways, you're not going to hit that part anyways, right? So that's where it's kind of debatable whether there really is preload or not. And you know, I've I've run I've ran set plates. I've run actual the ones that bolt on, like the ones that Russ makes at old speed, mm-hmm. and um, and extended. And I felt no difference whatsoever. It's really, it's all the same as far as you're putting the axle in the same spot regardless of how you do it. Um, but I could totally be wrong. There could be <laughs> preload and I'm absolutely wrong, but I'm going to, I'm going to argue that there isn't. So. <laughs> and then from your, I mean, your experience driving cars, you know, because I've got, uh, on two of my cars, I've got two buses and they're both lowered different ways in the rear. So one has the step plate adapters that go on a factory, uh, 
bus spring plate that right. step it, uh, that relocate the axle up six inches. And then I have my stock, my stock, my bull run bus has the original, uh, that's for beard stretcher to mention bull run bus. Um, on that bus, I have an original bus boys kit, which is just the type three axles and the, and the cut, you know, the recut spring plates for, right. Yeah. Um, not, yeah. Not offset or anything. Right. They're yeah. not stepped or anything. And I tell you one difference I found is, and I don't know if it's because of the spring plates, but I've also in my carbon cab, I narrowed the rear torsion housings like three quarters per side. And right. I noticed that when I was on the freeway, like changing lanes and putting a little bit of a side load, it felt like, it felt like a little bit of, uh, a little bit of sway in the rear end. And I don't know if it was because of step plates or, or what, but that's, that's one difference that I noticed. And I was, just, we just, uh, you know, me and, uh, me and George and a bunch of guys just drove down to Octo last weekend and changing lanes on the freeway. I kind of felt a little bit of that. So I don't know. It could be, it could have something to do with that because it's offsetting, you know, you're, it's kind of like a flag, you know what I mean? It's like your, your, your torque is up above the actual spring plate. So when you're getting any kind of lateral side move, so who knows? I mean, it could, uh, you know, and, and maybe I'm only noticing it cause it's, it's in a bus, you know? So, yeah, yeah. Who knows? And I mean, it could be a matter of you changing out your torsion bars too. If, I mean, these things are, you know, a hundred years old. but yeah i I get it i and just exactly like i said from my personal experience i've never noticed any difference um in you know stepped or extended or the bolt-on ones as far as you know the actual ride you have the same shocks on it and everything too or yeah you know you'd have to go down the whole line of having everything exact in order to really eliminate you know that Anyway, so. I do have different shocks. One one bus on the carbon cab. I've got the uh, I've got the uh, KYB gas adjust, and then I've got on the original bull run bus. I've got those because I couldn't get the height just right. Uh, this is some secrets uh, <laughs> of the old ways, <laughs> but it's got coilovers. Those coilover shocks on the back, yeah, yeah, to lift it up just a little bit. So, so. helper springs on there, yeah, right? Yeah. So who knows that that could be part of it? But yeah, there's, you yeah. Know, there's there's been so much evolution of of lowering suspension on Volkswagens, and with lowering suspension also comes with clearance for wheels and tires. And I, you know, me personally, I'm a guy where I'm not a fan of the tucked front end look. You know, right. like I like a full wheel well. I don't want tire sticking out, but I want it to look like it, the wheel tire fits the fits the uh, wheel. And that's just my personal preference. You know what I mean? Um, no, absolutely. And, and, you know, a lot of that is, uh, you know, there's extremes too. Like my bug has a six-inch narrow beam. It doesn't need a six-inch narrow beam in it at all for the clearance of the wheels. But that's really what it was. You know, you need to get lower. You need to narrow it in order for to turn and you know right. get your clearance on your wheels too but you know we win extremes i mean i have friends here they they run eight inch narrow beams and that's crazy to me you know but it's kind and, of and i think a lot of people are getting away from the super narrow look anyways at this point um it's, i'm sure it's getting less popular and i was talking to uh mike at dubfab and a lot of his customers really don't want the super narrow uh front ends and that's why we were trying to talk about um uh, tubs that actually go into the doors because that's really the only option at that point because you need that clearance seal for that wheel if you want to turn being that low 
that's kind of the that's the threshold that you cross where you have to start tubbing stuff. Like if you're tucking tire and rim underneath that front dog leg, then you've got to clearance that. Otherwise, you know, on my buses, I'm used to having two fingers of suspension in the front. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Because I've never been tubbed and I'm running seventeens and. You know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But yeah. You, you know, and if you're just riding solo in your bus, it's great. But you know, my my one bus is a nine passenger, so it's like the the best times I have is like loading it full of idiots and going right, and you know, r- taking everybody to go out to eat when we go to a show or something like that. But it's like all I smell is burning rubber. You know what I mean? Right. Every little bump, every turn. Yeah, absolutely. But it's all part of it, man. That's you it. know, you'll see the bugs now that have the their fenders are burned up because they're so low and it's just that wheel only got so much room, you know, to go there. So, yeah. So now you started with the net, you started doing the, the wheel tubs for buses and you wanted yours. I mean, you put a lot of work. Some guys, I've seen some guys that just use like trailer fenders and then yeah, wel- that's a, yeah. weld those in place. And then like you look like you have, a piece of steel cut specifically so that you can bend and break it. And then you do a lot of extra stuff to your wheel tubs. Um, tell us about what makes your wheel tubs a little bit different that you could recognize a set of your wheel tubs. Uh, yeah. Well, all right. So when I first started designing the eye, I, I it was probably, um, 2014. Uh, I started, putting tubs in my my bus that i had here it was a turkish bus uh 62 and i, I did a full tub i've been i think i was kind of looking at the way jake uh jake miller did his mm-hmm. um he did a full, full tub and then i don't think he did the curve of the front where your uh where your foot would have the room you know how it kind of dips in as it gets towards the center of your, your original pedestal too yeah um so I think his came straight down and I was trying to do something that still replicated that curve in the front. And it was such a pain in the ass. Uh, and I didn't have the correct tools again. Uh, Mitch helped me out a lot trying to figure that out. And it just, it just didn't work. It didn't work out for me because I needed an English wheel at that time. So much more. So I realized if I cut up higher and just kind of dip my tubs up, I could utilize the, the original pedestals. And just make it flow into it. So um, that was huge for me as far as that goes. Because that's all I, w- I wanted it to look like it belonged there, like it had been there, you know. Right. Um, and, and like you said, yeah, those – and the trailer fenders work fine. And I think I was already talking to you about that. It's like nobody really notices the tubs anyways. I do, of course. Right. Um, but, you know, people look at the whole car and they – Doors are shut for the most part anyways, and they're covered on, you know, the seats covering it. Not a whole lot of people really look at those details, but it was just something for me that I wanted mine to look like. I never, you know, was planning on selling these at the time. Um, and then a friend of mine in Canada, he's like, oh, you know, you're going to have to make me a set of those too. And then other people saw it on my Instagram or like, oh, that looks cool. You know, I would be interested in seats or, you know, the set also. So. It kind of just took off from there. I never wanted to, you know, do this as, you know, on the side or anything. And it wasn't a dream. Was never part of my plan. Yeah. Yeah. Even like the whole, like Cage 66, like never even came about as far as like being a company until I went to a car show in Japan. Um, and I brought some tubs out there 
and I made stickers kind of and uh, shirts as kind of like a joke, like, oh, look, here, you know, here's my company. And shit just kind of blew up from there. Think, <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that's not what you're looking for. But I mean, if you're filling a need in the market and the, the tough part is then trying to juggle that with a family and a job and, you know, everything oh, else yeah. you got going on, it gets kind of tough. No, that's, and that's, yeah, that's the, that is the toughest part for me is, um, my worst feedback is my turnaround time. And I quote people seven to nine weeks. I try to get it done before then. Um, and that's the typical thing you'll hear with all these shots with, you know, I'm not going to call anyone out because everyone's guilty of it anyways, is that I think we all want to please and we don't want to turn that money away. We, you know, especially shit there's a thousand people building beams and spring plates like i get it you know but um you hear it so much it's like oh yeah so and so like i gave that person you know money even like up to you know six months and it's just yeah crazy to me you know so like i don't want to end up being at that point but i can totally see how it happens that's why i'll cut off my orders at, at certain times and just be like i can't keep up I don't like whole, everything I do is pre-ordered. Um, you have to pay me before I even put you on my waiting list. Um, and I don't like holding on to people's money for too long without them having their parts. I, I feel bad about that for sure. But well, yeah, the fact is, is I have a life too. I work a full-time job and I have four kids. Two of them are in soccer. That, <laughs> yeah, that game over. Game over. My life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, soccer. All of a sudden, you're starting to question, like, are these kids going to go pro? Because we got three practices uh, a week, two uh, games on Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We, we started off with gymnastics, and they're, like, instantly, like, oh, let's travel, like, right off the bat. Yeah. I don't think this is for us. <laughs> so, soccer seemed a little easier, but now it's getting – so we were just in Arizona – uh, a couple months ago because of a tournament. Well, it's also because of COVID. Uh, right. It's harder to find places that you can actually play at this point. Right. So. Now, so you do, you make the, uh, the front wheel tubs and then from that you evolve into doing some spring, spring plate stuff or what's the next thing you start coming up with and what's the reason you come up with it? Well, so I'd say from the tubs, uh, really the tubs were the main thing that I've built for the longest time with spring plates here and there. I I don't touch beams. I've done beams for friends. I hate them. I'll do beams for myself. But even the beam in my car now, I bought from Sam Manis out of North Carolina. Sorry, he's in Tennessee. Uh, He's uh, Valley Auto Works. Um, Because I hate them. I I hate touching those. So, But I knew... I needed extended control arms. Um, even back in the hood ride days, some of the guys were running Baja arms, you know, and they just had to make their beam narrower. And this has been done, going on forever. Uh, Johnny Detroit, he was building beams for hood ride. I don't know if you remember this. Really amazing beams. At the time, um, his bottom adjuster is reversed so that it wouldn't scrape. Like, he really put a lot of thought and detail into what he did. But we had talked back and forth forever. This was 2007, probably. And then he sent me pictures of some control arms that he built. And he, he extended them without narrow, uh, without them getting longer, which was the problem with the running the Baja arms, you know? Yeah. And I'd always thought that was an amazing idea. And, you know, we talked back and forth about that forever. And he's like, I'm not going to use this idea. You might as well build them for yourself, you know, and, and if people want them, 
you know, that'd be cool too. But I never had interest in building for people because it's a scary part. You know, it's a, there's a lot riding on that. And I didn't know enough about them either. Uh, everybody thinks they're, they're cast. They're not cast. They're, they're a drop board. Um, you can, you can weld on that. No problem. It's still a little bit different. Um, process but it's really not a whole lot different than just welding regular steel um but again i didn't want that liability or any problem so i i overbuilt this first set that i built um and then the guy asked me to build a set for him and i i didn't set a jig or anything like it because i had no interest in building anymore right right um I can't remember when that was. It had to have been like 2009, uh, 2010, who knows. So the first set of uh, lengthened arms you built. Well, let's back it up a second. So that, you know, one of the things about like you having your, having your business and you're doing it out of your desire to create some things, mostly for yourself and then for friends and then somebody's friend's friend wants one. And right. then when you're putting stuff out there, it's interesting because there's always I was scrolling through your feed and there's always just somebody that has something to say and they everybody has this tendency to just speak from it from like an expertise without any kind of validation of what they're saying. They're just like Oh well that's the internet for you. That's, <laughs> right? that's the worst part about this is being exposing myself. I mean I show full on like I show my my details. The last uh, I don't know. It must have been like a month ago. I showed my full pin welds. I showed how I set them up. I showed, and then all the experts start pouring in, and you know, it's like holy shit! Like nobody else even shows their work, and here I am showing you exactly what I do to, you know, to, right. to give you guys some kind of assurance that I know what I'm doing and and that your parts are safe. And yeah, that was a tough one for me because I'm a. I've done this forever, like on buildings that everybody walks around in. <laughs> it's like, this is just holding up the front of your car that weighs, what, 600 pounds at the most? Right. And you, yeah, you've you welded know? beams so, that are holding up 50,000 pounds. Oh, you know absolutely. What I mean? But yeah, but then they're going to start questioning. <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's the tough part for sure. Yeah, well, everyone's an expert online. And so, you know, doing that, you know, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because you want to produce something for people because, A, you're proud of your work. You love to create. You love to be a part of something. And the, the frustrating part is, like, sometimes you'll end up questioning yourself, like, why do I do this just to get a, oh, bunch, of, yeah. a, a bunch of nonsense from people? But, you know, there, I, I, think, I think what keeps you going, you know, I think you probably have a lot more people that really appreciate what you do than haters. And everybody's going to get some people that are going to, everybody comes in as the expert. But the funny part is like, you know, maybe a lot of people don't know that you for a living weld and your welds are certified and they're inspected and like, it's what you do and it's what you take pride in what you do. And, and maybe it's because a lot of people look at things through the way that they would do it and that they would cut a corner or, you know, there's right. no, you know what I mean? There's no way you're putting that kind of time into it, but I mean, you know, with you having this as, as your profession, I think that makes a big difference, you know, because as soon as I found out you're a welder, like that's what you do for work. Well, then it stands to reason that you'd have a little more knowledge than the average backyard hobbyist that's just going to grab a welder and start. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know. I mean, I, I build my tubs out of my garage, but I wouldn't build my control arms out of my garage. Although 
I'm sure my welder could handle it, but there's no point. I have a full shop to utilize at my work, you know, and, and yeah, they're amazing welders that, again, like we weld. At one point, I was using dual shield on these, and that's way overkill. I think the parameters of, that, of a weld is like 60,000 pounds per square inch, and that's ridiculous, you know. So um, I, I rarely use that, pro, you know, that process anymore. But it's just, you know, again, like I constantly just overbuilt everything that I do because I'd hate to hear something came back. I've sure. seen so many horror stories over the years of, welded spindles or whatever just snapping you know it's like i'm, I'm not going to be that guy you know, you'll never hear about my parts breaking well you know? and you so. know i definitely you know looking at your arms the way that you lengthen your arms and that's the cool thing like you don't like you said you don't hide how you do what you do you show what it takes to do it and i think to a person who's seriously considering purchasing a set of your your lengthened arms or whatever they want to know that a guy who's honest in what he does is going to put out there like, this is the way that I do this. And this is why you're paying for what you're paying because it's not just, you know, some guy with a MIG and just, you know, laying down a quick little bead and, and going on with that. Because when you're, when your arms are finished, I notice like, I mean, these things are polished down and you can't even hardly tell where it was welded, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing too. It's like, I think I waste a lot more time than I need to on them because Really, there's only going to be two people that ever see him. The guy that, you know, me and people, you know, the guy that I send them to. And then the, the cars are so low, nobody can see them anyway. So I, I know I could just leave the wells on there. But for me, it's like I kind of feel like I'm building a, a small end of whatever. It sounds kind of dumb, but I'm kind of building art here, too. I want I take sure. pride in what I build here. And, and another part of me showing my process, too, is I know there's other people out there doing this. And I know there's guys that can't afford what I'm building. And if they're going to try it themselves, I'd love for them to do it right. You know, I'd, I'd hate, I've seen, I've seen some that, um, they weren't even beveled. They weren't, you know, and some guy actually ran these on his car for two years until they snapped. Like you, but they, they didn't even snap that you could just see where they were coming apart and it was just butt welded together and ground down. And once I saw that, I mean, I called out the guy that, um, that, had them made for his shop um and then he started buying from me you know like i i I didn't call him out online or anything i i went to him like hey this is unsafe you can't be doing this and then he's like all right well we're not going to be able to afford to do that process you know and that's you know i've heard it from a few shops and they can't put in that kind of time Sure. And put them out for the price that I do. And, and I think they're, you know, they are expensive. I understand that. But you got to, um, I'm putting in six or seven hours per a set of four, you know, control arms. So. That's a, I mean, and, and also really sometimes people really have to understand, like, what would you expect to pay for something custom handmade? Right. And that's the thing, too. I've, I've I've given out so much. I've wasted a lot of time on, and, and it's my own fault too. I, I need to do some kind of uh, <laughs> pre-screening, frequently asked questions <laughs> thing that I just send out to people before they and start with the price first. You know, to cut down the the ghosters, um, and just let them know, hey, these are expensive. And right. then you know, um, but yeah, it's it's. Yeah, it's been a battle for me as far as that goes. Uh, now, what's sure. the what's the driving characteristic change 
by putting a lengthened arm on there. And you're also, I mean, it's five pieces are getting lengthened, right? Not just four trailing arms, but you also lengthen. Um, I do the pitman arm also if, if needed. Um, for I honestly don't, if you have a four inch narrow beam, there's really no purpose of uh, one of my, my uh, pitman arms other than the fact that it's, it's not bolt on. So there's that peace of mind that it's, you know, all one piece, but um, for anything over, especially at six inches, at six inches, you can see a flat spot on your driver's side because your, your pit, your, uh, sorry, your, uh, I can't think. The pitman arm um, or the tie no, rod. No, not the pit. Yeah, sorry. Your tie rod is yeah. so short. It actually ends up getting to the apex of the turn and it can't go anywhere and it actually starts pulling back on itself. If you watch, um, especially, you know, six inches and narrower, an eight inch beam is just ridiculous. You can just watch it just stop at one point and the passenger side will still keep turning. Um, so by extending that out and then I extend the, um, that one side out. And over a little bit also, this is something um, Russ at Old Speed guided me through. Russ, Nate, some of these guys have just been so amazing to me. I don't even know why. Like, they seriously guided me through a lot of this. You know, Nate at, um, at Wagon West. West. Yeah, uh, Russ at Old Speed. I have no idea why they've been so nice to me, but they have just given me so much information and helped out so much through you know, it's been a learning curve for sure. So. Well, but I think also that's a testament to maybe some of the guys that are the heavy hitters in the game see what you're doing and realize that your intention is to do a good job and deliver a quality product. And when they're when they're when they're seeing that okay, you're one of the good ones, like they want to they, they want to help the scene grow because you know the reality is not everybody can service the scene. You know what I mean? There's there's a there's more demand than there is product. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing too. It's like anytime I think I have a new idea or anything, it's, you know, Russ is the guy I'll go and like, Hey, check this out. And, you know, Oh yeah, I did that, you know, <laughs> 20 years ago. And, you know, it didn't work out like this, but maybe this will work for you or whatever. And, and Greg Banfield, same. He's been doing this shit forever and he's done everything and he's seen everything, you know, like all these guys are just, I mean, I'm, I'm really glad that I, if I have haters, they're, they're quiet. That's great. You know, like it, I, people say, you know, if you have haters, you're doing something right. Right. I, I don't believe that. You know, <laughs> I think if you have a lot of haters, you probably might be a dick yourself. <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, I, I think the fact that, you know, these, these, yeah, like you said, these heavy hitters have been just so cool to me that I have been doing something right. You know? Yeah. So, no, I mean, definitely it's, I mean, scroll through your Instagram feed. I mean, you definitely have no shortage of, of, you know, producing some, some good quality stuff. And I got turned on to you from my brother because, uh, you know, I don't go that low. My brother loves stuff super low. And, uh, and we, we got to talk and he says, Oh yeah, man, the lengthened beams and we, uh, the, you know, the lengthened, uh, torsion arms looking at those and how it resets the wheel right into the center of the wheel. Well, I mean, right. it, it's something you don't notice, but once you notice it, you see it on every car and it just looks, oh, and I know. Yeah. it there's, just, there's actually, yeah, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, it just looks so much better. You know what I mean? Once you've noticed, right. you know, the wheel articulate yeah, all the way forward. <laughs> yeah. right. There's yeah. actually a, a, there's an Instagram page on there. I have nothing to do with it at all. 
it's called like arch enemies or something. And this guy is just calling out people. And it's like all my potential customers. Guys, I have nothing to do with that guy at all. I think he's out of Australia. He's probably one of my friends, but he's definitely, <laughs> I don't know who he is and it's, it's not me. Uh, but yeah, that's the thing. Like it's, a, it's an, I'm a magnet for it. Every car, I'm like, oh, that guy needs my parts. That guy needs my parts. But, um, and that's the thing. I bought this 58 and it was so perfect. I couldn't even imagine doing anything but bolt-on parts for it. And that's when I, I decided, all right, like I'm going to go full on with the control arm. So I'm going to build, you know, this set for me. Um, and then I think, what was it? Uh, Lloyd, um, Deluxe Metalworks out in, uh, the UK. He, he hit me up and he's like, Hey, I need some arms too. And I'm like, dude, you can make them yourself. Yeah. This guy's amazing. He, right. he does. I don't know if you know who he is, but yeah, he built he built a country buggy by hand. Like, yeah, it's a it's ridiculous. It's nicer than any country buggy you'd ever see. The dude is skilled. So yeah, he bought a set from me, and it ended up uh, winning the best of show out there, and, and and that was just a huge ego boost for me. But um, but yeah, so I couldn't imagine putting cutting that car at all. Um, and I knew, you know, headlight buckets are the huge thing. Like everybody's rubbing on their headlight buckets and this is, yeah, this is the fix for that. But it's also, if you run just the top arm, uh, that helps with your caster angle also, because as those control arms are going forward, you're actually, your bottom one ends up being out farther than your top. And that just screws your, your caster angle so bad. Um, Caster shims kind of work, and when you're that low, people end up actually stacking them and everything. But that kind of pulls your wheels a tiny bit forward, also. So it's it's a perfect fix for a number of things, and um, it's been great. I mean, it's uh, you know, so your car will track better um, with them, also uh, gives a little tiny bit more leverage, so it's a softer ride. You know, well, maybe you know, not huge noticeable, but and because I've even seen people make uh skid plates for the back of the headlights so they don't wear the paint off of them you know what i mean like a little metal a little metal right. panel that goes on the back of the headlight bucket so that oh when, yeah because back in the day we just beat them in yeah we just grab a hammer and just beat the shit out of it so yeah and then the people got more creative and they wanted to look nice so they cut it and flip them around and make you know but yeah, there's no need for that. You can get a pristine car and you can slam it to the ground and you don't need to cut anything, you know. Um, yeah. That's huge to me. Some of these cars just shouldn't get cut at all, you know. Well, if it's, an ori- you know, if it's an original car, it's cool to be able to preserve the originality and also be able to make it the way you want it. You know what I mean? Right. So Yeah, no, um, I bought that car from uh, Jason Lindquist. And his friend told him, hey, I wouldn't sell it to that guy. He's just going to slam it to the ground and destroy it, you know. And and, and he's not a fan of cars that are on the ground. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm sure it was a little battle for him. But, you know, he could cry tears with $100 bills after that. Cause, <laughs> you know, that car wasn't cheap. Yeah. It was, it was a beautiful car. And, and, and I knew that. I knew I couldn't destroy that car. And that was the first car that I just was like, all right, I can't cut this up. I can't do anything Everything has to be bolted on, and it was on the ground. It was, it was low, not air ride low, but it was, you know, you could still drive it, but 
you had to plan out your trips. Yeah. So. There's no, there was no quick run it, let driving it, tossing the keys to somebody for a first time drive just to go in it and cruise around. <laughs> there was a lot of navigating. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like, Oh, you got to, you know, watch out for this street. You got to turn, you got to be in this lane and this, you know, otherwise you're, yeah, going to scrape all over the place. And the pan on that thing was pristine too. Like everything. It was a, it was a nice car. It still is. I don't know where it is now. I think it's Sweden or something. Now, besides doing, so you do the front tubs, you do the lengthened, um, the lengthened trailing arms and the extended pitman arm. And now what other stuff are you out there producing and what's the reason you're producing it? Uh, that's really it. Um, the spring plates too, although I'm kind of getting out of, uh, I'm not real excited about spring plates anymore. They're, they're more time than they're worth, especially when, I mean, how many guys make spring plates? Right. I can, Oh, my, I, I got 20 friends that make them, you know, it's not, it's hard to compete with that. I ended up buying out, um, some, I don't know the guy, um, but my friend, uh, from Japan came down here and hooked up with, uh, Eric Zitzman and somebody had died and it was a junkyard and there's just so many parts and just, I bought this huge crate of spring plates, right? So I was like, all right, I'm set on course forever. Right. Um, at this point, though, the last we have a plasma table set up at work finally, mm-hmm. and that was huge for me because you know I've I've been just farming all my cuts out forever. I still have my tubs cut by a laser just because it's easier on me to have a perfect uh, guide for my um, beads. But um, I cut everything now at my work, and that's huge. But this last run of spring plates, I'm like, you know, whenever these run out, I'm just, I'm just going to be done. I've been, I posted up that I would sell the rest of mine. And then I instantly uh, just deleted because I started getting messages and I hate, I hate answering messages all day. <laughs> you know, it's just right. it's not worth Yeah, I gotta be, yeah, I only have so much time. I, I, if I'm, if I'm sitting around, I should be, building somebody's parts because somebody's waiting on me you sure. know like i said i got a list in my garage of you know again seven to nine weeks my turnaround time that i tell them but i i try to do it better um but i have been i've been looking into ball joint um doing the ball joint arms for the longest time i told everyone i have no interest in doing it the biggest reason i don't because ball joints suck um for multiple reasons. Uh, I, I didn't for, want to press For like up. super laid out bugs. Right. There's so many bad aspects to it. First of all, the beam is just, it sits lower to begin with. So, you know, you can have a car that's three inches off the ground or two inches off the ground. And, and then you're those on a ball, I'm sorry, a ball joint. That beam sits down way farther than a link pin uh, beam. So, no matter what, they're scraping that. They're going to be hitting that. Uh, to me, the best fix for that is cutting it, doing a pie cut or, you know, uh, shortening it and raising that, that pan head up um, so for you, me. But I don't mess with ball joints at all. You know, I don't – I'm a snob when it comes to cars. So you're you're a 65, a 65 and earlier snob. <laughs> yeah, well, as far as owning a car, I'm, I'm a – I'm a 61 in earlier yeah. um, body style, but I'm not even a fan of oval windows, you know? So I'm like 58, 59 is my year for sure, but I'd love a split. I just, I'll never own one. It's 
I can't even get into that world. That's too much money for me. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, but everything's pushing up. Everything's pushing up like crazy. But um, oh, absolutely. So the spring plates, yeah. so the spring plates. When you're done, you're done with them because it's it's too much time and energy to put into them, and it's not really. You'd rather spend the time lengthening the trailing arms, which is where people have a higher demand for you. Right. I think that, and and it's just a matter of time until somebody comes out. I know there's other guys. I think I know he builds extended control arms. So he and I talk, um, and and he does he doesn't advertise it. So and he doesn't more for like high end builds anyways. Um, and he told me himself, like, if I could keep up with orders, uh, he'd be just having me do them. But, but I can't, you know, so that's, that's the thing I got, um, and dog back in, uh, Germany, he orders a bunch of, a bunch of control arms at, at a time. And that's one thing, like, I hate taking those orders because that I know, like, all right, now I'm going to have to cut my orders off. I, I have to stop selling because I have this big order that I got to fill. You know, so yeah, it's almost um, like I mean, even if you even if you took a week off, you're not wanting to spend a week off working so that you can spend time away from your family, and that's maybe you know the tough part. It's like all your free time, you know, you, you got to balance. You got to have balance in your life, and so the reality is, you know, as long as people know up front what they're going to be waiting on for your for your product, you know, and if they plan out their build far enough in advance, you know buy the arms before you get the car <laughs> that's yeah that's the thing too and I, I try to and i should i should put reminders on there i know this a lot people have short attention spans it seems i think people forget what parts i make so i constantly like i'll throw up a picture of extent or uh of spring plates and then i'll get orders that day and it's like well where were you guys two days ago you know like i've been building these parts forever but you know i'm sure it's spring plates again you know yeah. 20 guys are building that so it's, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, for sure, I'd much rather just devote the time to the things that, that for now, nobody's, you know, nobody's building, um, control arm. Nobody's competing with me, uh, essentially. But it's a matter of time until they do. You know, somebody's going to step up because they, they have more time or someone's, do, you know, doing it full time. And, um, yeah, for me, it's, I don't take breaks. I don't get, I get one, I devote one day to my family, you know, uh, it's either a Saturday or Sunday. Other than that, I'm, I'm in the shop every week. Um, after work, I'm there after work a couple hours, at least trying to get orders done. I devote one full day, either Saturday or Sunday, you know, to that. The only time I really get a break is if I make a vacation, I have to be away from home. Or else I have this, you know, <laughs> you in the dress behind me. Like I got to get something done. <laughs> right, so. right. And it's kind of, it, it, it's the unfortunate part about building something that's unique to the market that serves a, a, a need, you know, but um, what are, the, what are some of the, the key components about lengthening those arms? Let's say a guy's like, Hey, Chase, thanks for the info. I'm going to try to do my own set. Like your average guy can't do what you're doing and get the kind of penetration in those arms with like a regular 110 mig no absolutely not they definitely need a 220 at least um and you know honestly they could probably do it with an arc welder um it'd be a lot more work it'd be a harder um set just making a jig for it is it's time consuming to do just a one-off and so that'd be something if someone were to make them themselves chances are they're not gonna be 
they're not going to line up correctly. They're probably going to bind. They're probably, you know, have little problems here and there. Um, and that's really... But just welding... Sorry. No, no, I was going to say, that's maybe some of the stuff that people aren't thinking of. I mean, the time you have building a jig to make sure these things are, are dead on every time. I mean, you. I would assume you have a few hours building the jigs. Oh, absolutely. And I, I, I've modified it for the first, you know, two years. I'm like, oh, this is a tiny bit off. And, and it wasn't anything that affected anybody's, anybody uh, that got the parts. So all my parts have always been straight, unless for some reason I got the grub screw in the wrong spot and I remedied that. But um, it's more just aesthetics. Like, all right, from here, I'd like this to look like this. If you looked at my first ones, they're just overbuilt with crazy gussets and just, they look disgusting. I, don't, I, don't, I hate seeing them, but, <laughs> well, but, but I mean, they're beefy and they, yeah, they were built to last and they're, you know, they're still on the car today, of course, you know, um, cause they're overbuilt. They're just too much and they just didn't look nice. Um, but that's the thing is that you know, there's gotta be some kind of, happy medium there too I, I could i could try to you know i could cut corners and go with smaller material and it looked nicer and whatever but um to me it's like i'd much rather know that these are these are way overbuilt and that's like you're yeah you're saying somebody could easily make these from home um if they took the step and did it i mean i'm definitely not the greatest welder in the world and i'm not i'm definitely not the greatest uh suspension guy um uh, so if somebody took the time and, and set something up and they could just honestly just weld plates to a table and, and make sure everything's squared up and not really have a real jig and they could do fine. But again, like I said, that's why I show my steps. Is so if the guy like me, when I was young, you know, I had the confidence to build shit for myself. So I would have tried it anyways. And that's, Way back in the day, I'd call Nate up and ask him, you know, for tips, and he would just—he didn't even know who I was, but he was just willing to help because he wanted people to do shit right, even right. if they're not going for him, you know. So, and I think I've taken that too, where it's like I want to give back too. I don't need everybody's money. I don't need, you know, I just don't want anything that looks like mine to fail. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah. No, I get it, man. I mean, listen, we, we learned a lot about you on the podcast. We learned how you got the name Cage. <laughs> we learned, right. I mean, we learned, we learned how you got into it. I mean, I, I, I dig the story and I think it's, uh, it, it's really a value to let people know that when they're buying something from you, how passionate you are about what you do and making sure it's done right. You know, and, and that really to me stands out when, when we look at some of your products that are out there. So um, I'm glad we had the time to, to sit here and chat it up. Now, before we wrap up, is there anybody out there that's helped you throughout this whole thing that you want to give some shout outs to or some thanks to some people out there? Oh, shit. That, that list would go on forever. And if I start rambling off, you forget, you then for I'm going to forget people and I'm going to offend. I mean, honestly, from the beginning, I've always just been a poor kid. Like, I never had money. I've never, you know, yeah. I always had to do stuff on my own. And, and back in the day, Hood Ride Days, the Samba, you know, when everybody actually went on forums, so many people gave me amazing information, just hooked me up with amazing deals because they know otherwise I'm just going to throw some junk together. So it'd be impossible. Impossible. I think I already named a few for sure yeah. of like the bigger guys, you know, like name dropping. But um, honestly, anybody who's been in my life has been, that's the reason they're in my life. You know, they're, I don't have 
shitty people in my life. They they seem to weed themselves out. So. Yeah, life's too short. Life's too short for yeah. sure. Now, so what? So anybody you... that knows me personally, they know they've helped me, and there's a reason they're in my life. So, well, that's thanks rad. everybody. And now, and and now, what are you rocking now? The black bug is what year is your black bug? Is that a? Uh, it's a fifty-eight. Fifty-eight. Uh, it's a right-hand drive. Um, Original right-hand drive. Yeah. So. Supposedly, the story is, and I have this whole pamphlet, and I mean, I have all the, so much paperwork in, in German. It's a really cool car. Um, I guess the guy lost his arm in the war, and he ordered this bug as a right-hand drive, because they drive left-hand drive in Germany. So he ordered it as a right-hand drive so he could shift, because he didn't have a right arm. Right. So, yeah, so that's it's a cool little story. Um, I got it from Louis. He he was out in Texas. I don't know who he got it from. The car, uh, it was slammed. It was on uh, fake boots, and you know, uh, it was. I've wanted that car for the longest time. My dream car is '58, '59, right-hand drive ragtop with semaphores. You know, yeah, it's not a ragtop. I have two clips in my garage, but I can't. I can't take myself. I can't do it because the patina on this car looks so amazing. Yeah. I can't cut that roof. So it's going to most likely stay a hard top. I know I'd piss a lot of people off. Jake Miller, especially. Uh, <laughs> He'd be pissed if I cut that thing up. Is this one of the um, longest cars that you've had? Um, no, it's the, it's the, that's the car that I've actually been able to drive. Uh, and I think that's the thing is I bought it pretty much already done. I threw my suspension under it. I did a couple little things to put the, the essays on there. I didn't change a whole lot from the way he had already had it built anyways. Um, so I think that's really all I ever needed because I don't have the time. I have a 58 bus sitting in my garage. It's been sitting there forever. I have a full-on like shelves of parts for it. I, I could build it if I had the time and, and motivation. Um, but, yeah, more so just the time. Like, yeah, it's... I just really need I, – I forgot what the show was, but um, they had that thing where they tricked the guy into thinking they stole his, his car, and then they ended up building it for yeah, him. Yeah, overhauling. <laughs> yeah, so if anyone's listening, oh, my friends, you guys want to get together and do an overhaul on my shit, all the parts are there. <laughs> That's it. Well, so, well, you know, we're thinking about starting something called bro overhaul, where all your buddies come over and build the car, but then you end up with a disappointment that was, built, that was a bunch of corners right. cut off. Well, and yeah. <laughs> well that's yeah. the thing too. Is, you know, like with the engine, with all that. Like I said, I don't know. I don't know engines at all. So all my friends are going to have to help me one way or another, anyways. But that's it. Yeah, it'd be it'd be cool if we could throw a huge party and just toss it all together again. That's. Like Mitch is one of the ones that just is constantly like, let's do something. Let's he put the full side panel on that bus for me, you know, with my help and help of friends. So yeah, I know if we got together and did it all, it'd be awesome. But then I'd feel guilty, that, you know. We well, can't feel all that guilty. Time. And, That's what friends are well, for, man. Because I can't, <laughs> I can't repay that time because <laughs> I don't have time. So that would be the tough one for me. Well, uh, it'll know- probably just sit. You never know. Your your friends could gather up around you and uh, get that thing put together for you. Because I mean, they got everybody appreciates what you contribute to the hobby. So there's there's huge value in that. You know what I mean? So uh, one day, man, you never know. But yeah, let's get together slowly. I do things every once in a while. I threw a beam in there like two months ago. That's huge. Yeah, (laughs) you're, you're almost getting ready to put wheels on the ground, right? 
Right, yeah, no, I can mock it up and uh, act like I can drive it. But uh, again, like seriously, I have everything there. I just, I need to take a break. But if I can get time off, I, I want to travel. I, I want to take my family out somewhere else. That's way more important to me. Like, uh, you know, my wife's from Japan. I know, yeah, we're trying to cut this short. Sorry. But, no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> whatever, man. We're, we're good. Yeah. We're good. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so, I mean, we we traveled to Japan a lot. Well, we used to. Um, and it's been amazing, you know, like that. For me, that's great because I can't. I can't do anything but relax, you know. Right. Like I go out there and I'm stuck and have to have an amazing vacation. So um, that's. That's for me. Like I'm either working or I get a little bit of time, and I'm I'm trying to take my family somewhere to make it worth not seeing me through most of the year. You know. Right, right. Kids only recognize you the welding helmet on. You know what I mean? Like right, (laughs) yeah. Or or they're so fur to fucking soccer back. But I mean, do you think some of that? I mean, because I I did notice scrolling through your Instagram, you got a lot of uh, Japanese influence and some of that stuff. Has some of that stuff influenced its way into your into your hobby? Oh, of course. Uh, oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, anybody with a slam bug has to take influence from Japan. I mean, they their roads there are just ridiculously smooth, so they can do this. They can just set the car on the ground. Um, Jerry uh, Jerry used to own um, Jerfab. He and I flew out there and met up. Actually, for the first time meeting each other, we just knew we'd hit it off. We, we planned out a trip, went out there. We met up with Go Yamaguchi. Um, and he gave us his 58 to drive to a car show and follow him in his bus. And I mean, that was when I was like, I, I need something like this. I need something this low and, you know, like, and built right, you know, because I never, again, I never put money into a car, you know, right. and that guy, we're not friends anymore. Um, go, but, uh, but I still look at what he does and, and yeah, absolutely. I admire the guy's good at what he does. Um, and I have nothing bad about him, you know, to say about him, but yeah, some weird shit about control arms, <laughs> some weird shit happened and we're no longer friends, and, and but it, still. Yeah. And, and now, but you're saying a lot of the, I mean, they're able to get away with drugs. Now I thought Japan was like super tight with their laws and you can't get away with a lot of stuff like that. I mean, is that. Yeah. Yeah. That's where you see that red slash is the license plate. Um, yeah. And that's basically like a, a moving permit. So that's why you see them in all the car shows. Like those cars, they're not driven around all the time. They're, you know, a lot of them are either trailered out there or they get a moving permit and they drive, you know, a short distance um, to go to the shows and then they just sit and, you know, they're, they're not daily drivers. There's just having a car in Japan is ridiculously expensive. I think it costs like $2,000 to get a license and you have to go through uh, driving school first it's a nightmare but you don't need a car there because their transit system there's ridiculously good you know uh, you can get a bus or a train anywhere so yeah and i think it's also different because their society was built around mass transit to where you know the u.s a lot of people want to impose like well you know in europe or japan they have these great mass transit systems yeah but it's not the u.s the u.s is big vast and broad and it was all about exploration and getting out there. And, and this is a, you know, our culture here in the U.S. is really primarily flourished based off the automobile and that freedom to travel and go wherever, which oh, is why sure. 
you know, a lot of people believe that, oh, they just build a master, you know, you build a bullet train from Vegas to LA and you're good to go. Like that's not, it's not going to happen. You're still going to get just as many cars on the road as you're going to have people on right. the train. Yeah, so. of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the whole route 66, like all that shit. Yeah. It's been ingrained with us forever and we have the space to spread out. And you know, just like you said, like Japan, you know, it's all tight confines, you know, like they, of course it makes more sense to have trains and have, you know, bicycles and, you know, but, uh, it would, it'd be a nightmare here to do that, you know? Yeah. Uh, Cause everything's spread out. Yeah. It's just, it's just different cultures, but you know, I mean, you know, the, 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 the great part is that we, we can appreciate each other's styles and then those styles influence both directions. You know, they're big into low riders over there in Japan and they don't got oh, a low, you, <laughs> they don't got a low rider one. You know what I mean? Like all the low riders they got, they, they, they've imported from there to here, all, yep. but it's all like the a, famous ones are out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a huge culture thing out there for them, which is pretty rad. And it's good that, you know, that influence goes back and forth. Right. That's uh, uh, just to touch on that real quick. That that show that we uh, Jerry and I drove out to with Go. Um, it was called Cow Flavor, and it was a low rider show. But they had, you know, Volkswagens there too. And and I was seriously, I was walking around there, and I was like, I was in a Dr. Dre video, and 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 <laughs> these cars are bouncing around. It was the most awesome shit ever. And then it's all Japanese dudes with the full on like Hispanic influence they all look like like vatos you know like it was yeah. crazy like yeah that's that's they they totally took over that style but they're all japanese dudes but you wouldn't even if you saw them here you'd be like oh yeah look at that dude he's mexican you know yeah but, no that's right i mean it's but yeah no it's, yeah they definitely take you know everything they do they they go extreme you know yeah food anything like they're just better at a lot of stuff <laughs> yeah well, Chase, I appreciate having you on the podcast, man. And, uh, I definitely, uh, I definitely dig what you're doing. I'm glad we got to talk about it and kind of lay it out there for people. So if people have any questions, you know, I'm sure this answers a bunch of questions for people in regards to, you know, timeline, what it takes to do it and your commitment to the hobby, man. So for sure, I appreciate having you on here, man. And, uh, you know, hopefully we'll catch up at a show. If you're going to head any of the shows in Southern California coming up, or if you're going to go up North, if they start having some shows up there in the Bay. Or yeah. Anything. I'm, I'd definitely like to go to, I, again, like it's hard for me to get away. Um, but I'd love to get to El Prado if they're going to do it. That's a great show as far as like, um, you know, it's, a, it's, you got to devote some time to go into it. Uh, but they say it's on, it, it's they say it's happening. So that's, that's what I heard. Yeah. And the last time I was there was cool. I didn't camp or anything. Uh, the time before that, I got, I got too drunk and missed the whole show. I don't drink. <laughs> um, so I won't drink this time. Uh, cause yeah, I got, I had a bad hangover. I sat the whole time in the van yeah. and missed the whole damn show. So <laughs> I definitely owe it to myself to get out there and, uh, actually enjoy the show. So. Well, cool. Oh so, yeah. If you're there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and if, like you, if you're ever in Vegas, man, look up, look us up, man. You know, me and my brother and, uh, the crew out here, man, we'll, uh, definitely kick it with you for sure. Well, yeah, I'll actually, I'll be there next month for a soccer tournament. <laughs> so. hit, hit us up man hit us up so right. well cool chase good talking to you man and uh, i wish you all the best and thanks for coming on the podcast oh thanks for yeah thanks for inviting me i was uh really nervous about this i'm sorry i ramble a lot 
Man, there's one thing you could say, and that's Chase has got a lot of passion for what he does, man. Big props to Chase for being uh, hardcore in doing what he's doing and, and being committed to delivering a quality product. Now, for some shout-outs on this week's podcast. Uh, first shout-out goes to Josh Lambeth out of Mobile, Alabama. Picked up some merch as well as uh, Alan Abbas. Alan Abbas out of Davie, Florida, man. Thanks for the support, guys. I definitely appreciate you guys. And shout-out to Mike Young for sending me some uh, feedback on the podcast. So definitely uh, has been enjoying it. Matter of fact, he said he's so into it that uh, it's inspired him to get back to work on his Baja bug as well as he snagged up a squareback that after listening to the EV West podcast, he purchased a kit from those guys and is going to make himself an electric squareback. So that's pretty rad, man. Uh, he mentioned he's going to shoot down here to Vegas. I told him if he's down here in Vegas, hit me up. And so that goes for any of you guys. If you're headed here to Vegas, man, hit me up and we'll definitely, uh, we can come by and kick it. You can check out the projects cause I'm just one of you guys, man. So we're, uh, we're down to hang, and I uh, appreciate you guys supporting the podcast. So next week, we got more stuff coming up, some more great interviews of more people that you need to know in the VW scene. So until next week, guys, later. A Volkswagen is a nice station wagon to have.